Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have two-time Emmy winner, the head of Conan Digital, and the creator of Clueless Gamer, Aaron Blayert, on the podcast. I was so excited to finally be able to sit down with Aaron. His schedule's been pretty crazy the last few months. Uh, I've been trying to get this set up. Of course, he was on tour with Conan during the stand-up tour at the last part of 2018. And, of course, the new format of Conan launched back on January 22nd. All of that has kept Aaron incredibly busy, but we are finally able to make time to sit down this past weekend uh, before Aaron heads out for the new Conan Without Borders special that they're shooting, uh, Conan Australia. Uh, yeah, it was a great time talking with Aaron. Uh, I've, I've always been so fascinated by his career at Conan. I had no idea he had been there since the late night days. And yeah, just hearing so many of the stories and how he got involved and kind of how he, he helped build Conan Digital. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking with him. Um, and, you know, he, he just got back from Sundance as well. Of course, I was producing uh, the X96 Radio from Hell Sundance shows this year. Uh, but I decided not to go up to Park City and just stayed here in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun kind of talking with Aaron about that one of the the films I'd actually booked on the show uh, was some of Aaron's friends that, uh, that had that film. That's what he was there for. Uh, so yeah, it was really cool being able to chat with him about that and learn some of his history and just kind of talk, uh, you know, kind of about coming up in the business and how to kind of be successful within the entertainment industry. It's, it's such a crazy thing to try and navigate. And it was cool to hear Aaron's perspective. He's such an incredibly positive person. And so to hear, you know, his insight and, you know, some of the things that, that helped him get where he's at, it was just a lot of fun and really kind of cathartic for me. You know, I, I, we kind of mentioned on the last episode, you know, some of the shit that January brought us. And talking with Aaron, you know, kind of just helped put me in a kind of a better mindset after that. And it was it was really just great talking with him. Uh, so thank you so much, Aaron Blair, for taking the time amongst his busy schedule to be able to make it over here um, and sit down on the podcast with me. Uh, as you can hear from my voice, uh, it's kind of going away. So my throat has been uh, just trashed this entire week. I don't know what's been going on. You know, I mentioned in the last episode, the first part of January, I was sick. And, you know, I've been feeling great, and then randomly on Sunday, my throat just started going out, and I have no idea uh, what's happening here. So I'm going to keep this short, thus that I can rest my throat as much as possible. We've got a big week next week. Uh, tons of the people behind the Oscar shorts uh, are going to be coming out. We're covering the Oscar short festival that's out in theaters uh, nationwide right now. It launched uh, on the 6th in New York, on the 8th in Los Angeles, and I believe it's now nationwide everywhere. Uh, documentaries, I know, are hitting Salt Lake City this week. Uh, but yeah, check your local theaters to find out the Oscar Shorts program um, and when and where it is playing. It's really a great program this year, and you're not going to want to miss that. But we have a lot of those filmmakers that will be on the podcast next week, so stay tuned for that. Um, again, thank you to Aaron Blair for taking the time to come over here. If you have not seen um, some of the Conan Digital stuff, make sure you're following them um, on all of the social networking sites. I'll have the links up for some of that. Of course, the Conan Without Borders specials are now available on Netflix, so you can check those out there uh, as well. I'll also have the links so that you can connect with Aaron and follow all of the cool things that he does. His Twitch channel, as well as his show Dinner and a Video Game uh, that he does on Facebook Live. Uh, it, it's really a cool concept. I, I had a chance to watch some of it the other night. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun, so make sure you guys check that out. And again, I'll have all of those links available up on the website at onthemikepodcast.com so you can find all of those and connect with Aaron there and follow all of the cool stuff that he's doing, uh, both personally as well as with Team Coco. Uh, so again, thank you, Aaron, so much for that. Stay tuned for all of our Oscar coverage next week. A lot ahead, and hopefully my voice will be back for it then. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. talker but luckily <laughs> the old h6 has got a good limiter on it it does the same thing
I the first time I'd used this was in film school, yeah. and I had always been using an H4. Oh yeah, and it's a different world with the uh, the knobs. Yeah, it's I forgot I had a fan going here. The knob, yeah, the knobs changed the game for sure. Because I think the H4 only has like uh, like software in there, right? Yeah, just it just has the software, and then I mean you have the the SD that pop everything out of, but you can run it into the computer. But I've always been like, eh, I don't want to deal with the hassle. I know, of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pain in the ass. So it, it's so much easier just to put it on the SD and then transfer it all into audition. Hell and yeah, dude! I was like, I didn't learn to use these programs for <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what what took you over to Sundance? Uh, I was there. So my friend Ben Berman, I did a sh- I did a short film a few years ago um, called How to Lose Weight in Four Easy Steps. Yes. Yeah, that was basically, you know, I went through a bad breakup and then wrote a blog about it because <laughs> that's how I deal with things. Yeah. Um, some people do stand up, some people, whatever. But um, and so, yeah, so I wrote a blog about it and just because I was sad and I like writing. And then I, my friend um, Ben Schwartz, I was having dinner with him and he was like, hey, man, I love that blog. And, you know, uh, have you ever thought about making into a short film? And I was like, no. I just wrote it because I was sad. Uh, and he was like, oh, this guy I know, Ben Berman, um, you know, really loved the short. And, he, you know, he, could I introduce you guys? And, you know, he's a director. And I was like, sure. And so uh, Berman and I met up and hit it off immediately. We're like the same person. And, um, and yeah, he's a, this brilliant director and, and super smart, great instincts, great vision. And he made this amazing film out of this little blog I wrote. And with Beck Bennett playing me and, oh, and awesome. Conan's <laughs> in it and uh, Jesse Hodges and uh, Britt Lower and all these people and just a fa- just did a fantastic job. And um, and yeah, it got into Sundance. It played at Sundance. It played in a tent at Cannes <laughs> uh, in the American Pavilion. So it wasn't like the red carpet uh, uh, in the short film competition, but it I still, still can <laughs> technically played within the city limits of Cannes. Yeah. So I'm saying it played at Cannes. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience, but he, since then he's been shooting, um, for the past few years, this documentary on the amazing Jonathan, that guy from the nineties. Oh yeah. Yeah. We booked him on the show. I produce up there. Oh, great. Yeah. They, they, they came by and it was one that I still have not heard the full interview yet. Oh my God. It's so good. And so I, I literally went to Sundance for the weekend just to support Berman and see his film. And man, it's great. It's hard when your friends make stuff that sucks and yeah. you want to be like oh this is good man <laughs> i have a really hard time it's almost anybody uh who knows me will um say that i i almost to a fault cannot lie about things like if something <laughs> sucks i will try to find the one good thing about it but it's really hard for i i can't lie when it comes right. to my friends projects and man, his film is amazing. It's really great. And I think I actually have a screener for it. Oh, still. it's so if, good. If the link still works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and just to tease it up for anybody listening, it's basically he starts shooting this documentary on the amazing Jonathan, who has a year to live and uh, is kind of living in Vegas and um, is become this kind of um, you know smokes meth and and all this stuff and. And so Berman starts documenting uh, the Amazing Jonathan's comeback. He wants to do this comeback for the last year of his life. Well, the Amazing Jonathan doesn't die after a year. He he keeps living. And Berman then finds out, oh, there's another. Jonathan has allowed another documentary crew to shoot him as well. So now it's Berman and this other documentary crew both shooting the Amazing Jonathan 
And then it gets even crazier. And I don't want to spoil anything for people listening, but it just starts going down this insane <laughs> rabbit hole. And then it, it's really funny because Berman puts himself into the movie and it becomes this comment on what in the times we're living in with so much media and so much Netflix and Hulu and all this crazy stuff and why we a why people shoot documentaries and, and t- want to tell these stories how what happens when more than one crew comes in um, and starts shooting the same subject and then kind of how do you it starts addressing like how do you make a story your own and then really gets to some really cool deep places very heartfelt places about like why we choose to tell the stories we tell and you know it's really it takes this great turn of starting out as this documentary on this kind of guy who was big in the 90s and gets to this amazing place of Ben examining what what drew him to this what drew him to a to why do I want to shoot this a documentary on this guy who's dying and and all this stuff and it's really great and Man, I was like tearing up at points, and like I'm not saying this because I'm friends with him. Like, legitimately, it is amazing, and it was like the talk of Sundance. And yeah, I, I've heard so much about yeah. it with some of the people that were working on the show that I was with up there. They they were just like, yeah, this film is amazing. And I was it's like, incredible. oh, I know we've got them calling it coming in. Like, I want to. Yeah, I would. I would just be sitting in a bar, and people would be talking like, oh, I gotta get tickets to that. Oh, I got yeah. so hard. And you know, it was really great too because you know, I, I love I love it when my friend my. I have a lot of friends who are all really great people and really talented, and it's awesome to see great people succeed. And um, Ben is one of those guys who has had success in his life. He, you know, he directed the whole first season of Comedy Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. He co-created John Benjamin has a van. You know, he's done a lot of great things. Our short film, uh, <laughs> but uh, but this 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 feels like a, a new level for him both creatively and professionally, and I couldn't be happier for him. I mean, it's great to see him get recognized. Yeah, for sure. That and like, yeah, so it was really great. So um, I had a blast, and I saw a lot of other great movies there. Uh, the Death of Dick Long, which was amazing. Done, I don't think I heard that one. It's really great. Uh, it stars like Andre Highland. You know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's a comedian. Oh, he's great. Um, and I kind of became friends with him. And it's done by... Uh, one of the two Daniels. So have you heard of Swiss Army Man? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So they yeah. did Swiss Army Man and that great turn down for what video. Okay. People are smashing <laughs> yeah. through the floor and uh, like whatever, having orgasms or something. Anyway, one of the Daniels directed that. Uh, movie, okay. And it's kind of about these three guys and they're from Alabama. And so these three guys in Alabama who are just like at band practice and all of a sudden they go, one of them goes like, hey man, you guys won't get weird. And then it's this <laughs> montage of them drinking and shooting fireworks and shooting guns and stuff. And then it cuts to one of them, two of them are driving to the hospital. One of them is in the back seat, like covered in blood. Dick Long in the back, and it's like, oh shit! Like, and it's kind of examines what happened that night, and then friendship, and they're trying to cover up. It's very dark and very funny, but <laughs> it was great. So, um, it's, I, those are, that's some of the things I love with Sundance is they're never just like your run of the mill film, let alone just your run of the mill indie. You you show up at so many of these films, and you're just yeah. like. I don't know what I'm about to get into, unless it's something where they've completely teased you, like, "Hey, here's a Zac Efron Ted Bundy film." Like, yeah, you kind of yeah. have an idea what you're getting into there. But there's, I think I've mentioned it on here, like even when we did a live episode at Sundance a couple of years ago, there's one that it'll forever be my favorite. Uh-huh. Like, there will never be a film that'll top it. It was not the best film by any means. Okay. It was not the worst film, but it was called Fucking Bunnies, and it was by these Love guys from Finland. If I remember, it might have even been a slam dance short, but this guy has uh, this like 
satanic cult that moves into his building and they're into just like crazy S&M and Whoa. stuff and he's just like at first he's judging them like oh I, I can't have these you know evil people as my neighbors and he tries to go over and be friends and every time he goes over there's just S&M going on around the room and Perfect. he's just like okay this Sounds is uh, like my apartment <laughs> yeah uh, he just starts playing racquetball with like the the nah, main guy that lives there that's funny and every time he's just bringing him carrot juice and he's just like yeah like this is what we drink we drink carrot juice sure sure and he's just like okay okay and so y- you've just got this friendship building it kind of becomes a sweet little friendship thing going on and finally he's just like so what what's with the carrot juice all the time why why do you always give me carrot juice and he just looks kind of straight into the camera and goes well it helps flavor your semen uh, and boom that's just the end of the movie and crazy. you're just like what, the fuck? what did i just watch it was Weird. it was the strangest movie but it, it will stick with me forever because there it's just go. like i have never laughed so hard and been so confused yeah in 20 minutes except for that movie it's interesting yeah i mean it's like i saw this movie to the stars um starring tony hale and uh malin malin ackerman yeah um and it was this beautiful black and white um movie about like this it's kind of a coming of age story of this uh girl in oklahoma in the 60s it was great beautiful and well done but it was also this thing of like you know they always do q a's with the director right right and she was like, this this hasn't gotten bought, so this might be the only time you ever get to see it. And I was like, wow, like that is both the beauty and the heartbreak of those film festivals is like you see stuff that is amazing and can be great, but then it might never be seen again. Yeah. This might go on to be a link somewhere. I mean, um, yeah, So, and it's really interesting. I mean, the one thing that hit me with <coughs> – excuse me. The one thing that hit me when, uh, going to Sundance this time was – you know, it's so funny. I've been working in TV for almost 20 years, which is a crazy yeah. statement to say. But, you know, and and the, and the television community and especially comedy, comedy TV is very small. You know, like, you know, I have friends that work at every other late night show, a ton of other, you know, shows, um, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine to whatever. But and but we don't really get together. You know, it's weird. Like film, I think, is it's very from the little i've touched it and little i've been a part of it it seems like it can be extremely pretentious but it's extremely welcoming yeah like, that's the thing is like you have these film festivals and not even sundance but like you know the nashville film festival like south by southwest like you know all these other film festivals and you know cleveland is a great one Toronto's amazing and um even just some of the teeny ones here afi is a AFI, great fest. yeah there's one in palm springs that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah. and so um and even though from the outside it seems like very pretentious, and it is very pretentious, <laughs> they welcome you with open arms. And, yeah. it, and it really is a community. And, you know, it, it hit me this time at Sundance, television doesn't have anything like that. Like, the only time I think I ever, like, hang out with or meet people from other shows that I don't know is, like, at the Emmys. Right. And that's not even a real thing. It's like, every to be at the Emmys, you have to be nominated. So you're not even... That's not even like welcoming. It's like, well, everybody's kind of there and you're dressed up and you kind of feel like your dad and, you know, you're like you're in your dad's suit. And it's like a weird high school assembly. And like and it's not that kind of conducive environment of like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go get lunch. Let's go get yeah. lunch. You know, like I had brunch with like some girl who works for Lincoln Center film, you know, in New York. And it's like it was great. And she's cool. And we became friends and. 
that would never happen in television. Like, where am I going to meet a random person who works on, like, mm -hmm. the Fast and the Furious cartoon? Like, how am I... <laughs> you know, there's no crossover there. You know, I, I did this thing... I used to do this thing called Channel 101, which is... Yeah, my yeah, yeah, familiar Channel 101. Yeah, and that, that's the closest, I think... And a lot of people don't know about Channel 101, but that's the closest, I think, that I've seen um, that comes to a film festival, which is people, random people getting together and making little shorts, little TV shows. And Channel 101, for people who don't know it, you can go to channel101.com. And it was started by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub years and years ago. And the idea is uh, it takes place in L.A., although you can submit, it's free to submit. You can submit from anywhere. Uh, and you just make a five-minute TV show. The only rule is it can't be longer than five minutes. That's the only rule. And every month, there are five returning shows, and they go up against five new shows that are chosen by the panel of creators who've created the five returning shows. And there's a they show at the Downtown Independent Theater, uh, they show all ten shows, and then the audience gets to vote on what shows get to make another episode. And it's very simple. It's very fun. It's an amazing community of... Writers, actors, lighting designers, directors, and you have people there who all work in TV. Yeah. So if you're new to L.A. or even if you've been in L.A. for a long time and just want to meet people, cool, motivated, creative, like-minded people, Channel 101 is an amazing untapped resource. Like that's how I know Randall Park. That's how I know like a ton of amazing people have gone on to do great, huge things. Like it, it's like this weird hidden fight club secret Alex Kavitsky, who had a short at Sundance uh, this past uh, week, uh, I met him through Channel 101 also. And he did a short called Squirrel about a woman who gets hit by uh, this pedestrian who gets hit by this woman. And then the pedestrian starts becoming obsessed with what the person was texting. Oh, I think I've seen yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really great. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, I think kind of people forget everybody's trying to make it. And so yeah. that's why it's like, <laughs> A, you should be nice to everybody because you have no idea mm -hmm. when you're going to end up in a room with someone else. But B, it's like, yeah, like be friends with people and then they're trying to make it and then so are you and then you can help each other out. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's nice to have that community. It's one of the things that I, I've greatly missed with Meltdown when I first moved yes, here. Yes, exactly. Being yeah. a part of Meltdown and working there. And it's where we first kind of ran into each other. You were doing a show, one of the very last shows. I think you were like the second to last show that yeah. we ever had there. And it was just very impressive. I'm a venue killer. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me in if you want your venue to close, and I'll shut it down. But th there was just such a camaraderie there, and and just the experiences of being able to sit around some of some of the biggest names in comedy and some of the biggest up and comers in comedy. Absolutely. I mean, watching like Jabuki Young White like workout sets and stuff, and then all of a sudden, six seven months later, you know, he's on The Daily Show yeah. and he's on Crashing, and he's just everywhere. And it's just like I remember watching this guy do. Sets in the back of a comic book store. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and that's the thing, too. It's like, I was really worried. You know, I lived in uh, New York for nine years and did a ton of comedy there. And was and it was such a great stand-up scene there. And I'm terrible at stand-up, but it didn't stop me from doing it for yeah. years. <laughs> um, and But, yeah, like, coming up with people like Aziz and Nick Kroll and all these people. Like, seeing Nick Kroll just fucking eat shit. Like, do a character <laughs> just bomb terribly and invite him up back in New York. And... You know, but that now he's an amazing, hilarious, yeah. brilliant guy. Big Mouth is one of the funniest shows I've ever oh, seen yeah. in my it, life. I saw they just dropped their Valentine special oh, the other day, and I've been God. so excited to dive in. Oh, just <laughs> weeping, just weeping at that show. But you know, 
it's it's very encouraging. Like everybody starts from somewhere. Yeah. And Nick Kroll wasn't always Nick Kroll, you know. And same thing with Aziz. Same thing with everybody. Like you know, everybody starts from somewhere, and and nobody does it alone. Everybody you know kind of gets into this community, you know, and then kind of comes up that way. And it's not like a secret. It's not like um, you know, like this crazy. You know, they don't come out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, yeah they go, they go, are, they're either going to comedy shows, they're doing comedy, you know, um, Jake Wiseman and, uh, and Matt, uh, and Matt, uh, and Ingebretson. Ingebretson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when I first moved to LA, those guys were just doing comedy in rooms. And now corporate is an amazing, hilarious show yeah. on its second season at Comedy Central. And yeah, I mean, and so it's like, there are those communities, but I think it's, t it's harder in television than it is in film because, you know, you don't have those festivals and things to meet people. So you really it's on you to go out to shows. It's on you to meet people. It's on you to keep those relationships going. Um, and yeah, but then, you know, it's it's a good thing. It's also on you if you have any kind of success to help other people up. I mean, you know, I think whatever little success or power I have, I really do try to pull people aboard, you know, because people did that for me. And so, you know, it's like. We were just talking about before we started recording about getting representation and stuff. And it's one of those things where, you know, y you do need somebody to vouch for you. Yeah. And and, you know, even the Nick Krolls and Aziz's of the world ha didn't do it just by themselves. They had other people to help them. So um, and now they're helping other people. So that's that's important. Pay it forward. if you will. <laughs> um, you it's, it's funny how you mentioned, too, that like none of those guys were anything like coming up. Cause I, I remember when I started Second City. I didn't have the money to like really afford classes. And so for Christmas, I just told my parents like, look, don't get me anything. I just need to be able to pay for my first classes to get, to get yeah, going. Sure. And they were just like, but second city, like you're, you're, you're not like second city. You're not like Bill Murray. And I was like, well, yeah, and they're like, you're, you're not like Martin Short. And I was like, Martin Short wasn't Martin Short. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you read his book and he talks about bombing all the time, even when he was with Second yeah, City. Martin and... Short is Martin Short after like 40 years <laughs> yeah. of performing all the time. Yes. It's yeah. like everybody starts somewhere. And I was like, and I'll never be Martin Short because he's just a freak of nature in comedy. Well, disagree. But... <laughs> I mean, well, I don't think you'll ever be Martin Short because there's only one Martin Short. Yeah, there's only one Martin Short. And there's Short. only one, you know, Tim Drake. It's like there's only one everybody. Yeah. And and that's what's so great about comedy. And honestly, that's what's so great about right now. Like when we're, you know, this time we're living in, it's amazing. And I think a lot of people, it's weird. Like, I, you know, I'm an old man. But, <laughs> you know, when I was first coming up, it was like we would shoot sketches. There was no YouTube. So, you know, we had to, we would put together, we'd shoot enough sketches to have like a half hour and then we'd go to UCB and show, you know, them on like Spank or something. And, you know, or we'd have to, you know, rent out or get a venue going like the Royal Oak or something in, in Brooklyn and, and try to show a sketch wherever we could or try to, you know, find a place to do it. Now it's like, you know, I, people really underestimate their cell phones and oh, yeah. the fact they have all this crazy software, you know, a camera at your, a camera and microphone at your fingertips. And, you know, if you want to do it, you will do it. Like my parents are therapists and my dad, he died a few years ago, but he had this great phrase, which I loved, which I live by. And I try to spread as much as possible. That phrase is all behavior is purposeful. And what that means is like nobody does anything randomly and nobody doesn't do things randomly. Like you might not know why or you're or why you're doing something, but you're doing it for a reason. Like, let's say you're in a bad relationship. 
you're in that relationship for re- you're getting something out of it. Right. Either you think you don't deserve happiness, uh, you're scared to be alone, you know, whatever it is. But you're with that person. You could break up with them. You're with that person for a reason. And the same thing holds true for making things. And you know, so many people like interns on our show, for instance. You know, I will say, oh, like, what do you want to do? Like, all that stuff. And, like, you know, eight times out of ten, they'll be like, oh, I want to be a writer. I'm like, cool. Do you write? They're like, no. I'm like, well, fuck you. You don't want to be a writer. Like, if you wanted to be a writer, you would write. I I just had that talk with somebody the other day because as a writer, I do write. And then they're like, you don't write enough. And I was like, fuck, seriously? Okay, well, yeah, go fuck yourself. (laughs) But, I mean, that's the thing is, like, you know, if you want to be an actor but you aren't – taking the time to get headshots and taking the time to bug people and, uh, and try to get auditions and all these things. You don't really want to be an actor. Yeah. And so, and I think people, you know, it, and that took me a long time to, to figure out in my life. Like I would, I was, I would do stand. I did stand for years and years and years, like five, six nights a week. And I just hated it. I hated it. And I'd be like, Oh God, I got to go do fucking, I was like, wait, why am I doing this thing I hate? <laughs> what I love is hosting stuff. I love being myself. I love telling stories. Like, you know, and and so then I was like, oh, I don't want I'm not going to keep doing this thing I hate. I'm going to pivot and do this thing that I love, you know? And so, you know, I do this dinner in a video game show um, on Wednesday nights, and it's playing video games and making a meal. And I love doing it. And I will cancel other plans to go shopping and write jokes for it, you know? And, like, I love, like, editing editing them. You know, there are these two-hour live streams, um, twitch.tv yeah. slash Aaron Blair, or dinnerinavideogame.com. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, I love, like, editing them down to Instagram. I spend all my free time, like, thinking of things and doing it. And that really makes me happy. I love streaming. I love podcasting, you know? And I think it's interesting for people who want to be creative – I think a lot of us in our heads have a preconceived notion of what we should be doing and ignoring what we actually love doing. And so I think, you know, it's like, oh, like I should be a, you know, whatever. I should, oh, I should be an actor. I should do sketch. Well, I hate doing fucking sketch. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I would avoid any kind of situation where I have to play a character. So I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to run toward what I love. And, you know, so I think for a lot of people, or even, Look, if you don't want to do comedy, that's okay. If you don't want to be a writer, that's okay. What do you love doing? I love cooking. Go cook. Yeah. Go do that. Go be a chef. Go be a chef. You know, like you'll be much happier. The world is full of people who are miserable. Try to spend that short time you have on this earth doing something you love. But I think people don't have that self awareness. So all the behavior is purposeful. I think it's brilliant. And if you're having trouble, like getting something done, like if you're reading a book and you just for months and you can't get through it stop reading the book you don't really want to read it it's okay to not read it that's yeah. okay give yourself permission to not do that you know so um but you know i, I do think that's a big thing like you know so it, it's but it, it's very weird i think people you know show business is a very shiny coin and people are drawn to it I think sometimes for the wrong reasons. Yeah, know? and they don't know sometimes the underside of that coin of what most people don't. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean it's it's kind of funny because I, we've mentioned it a few times on here where we'll meet people um, that you know they're they're just moving to Los Angeles and you know they're they're seeing that that shiny coin totally. sitting there and you ask yeah. them you know well, you know what what are, what are your thoughts and 
I, I know I had met a girl one time, and I think I've said it on here before, where she was just like, oh, I'm going to you know act a model. We'll see how it goes. And I was like, don't move yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. that's the wrong mindset. Or yeah. people that are like, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll, I'll go be an accountant. Or like, go be an accountant then. Because if you've got that there that, eh, well, I, I could do accounting. Go to accounting. Yeah. <laughs> you believe it or not, the entertainment industry loves accountants. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You'll make more money. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll work for a much steadier job. No, I agree. I, it is the thing of, if there's one thing I've learned um, in all these years, it's you will fucking hate it. You will absolutely hate it. And it is trite to say, but if you can quit, then you should quit. You know, but it's like if you're compelled to continue to do things and make stuff and do, then you will be successful. And that you know, the the I think that coin has two sides. the the one coin The one side is the entertainment industry is very cutthroat. It's very hard to you know maintain steady work. It's it's brutal. I mean, it is just absolutely crushing. It will just just crush you down <laughs> into the tiniest tiniest particle possible. However, on the other side of that is if you do love it and you love it even when you hate it you will be successful because it is truly about persistence more than anything else it really is about not giving up and you know all and you look at anyone in hollywood anyone in show business everyone has worked extremely hard to get there even a person who like oh they got famous overnight they didn't yeah they nobody worked, did <laughs> nobody did they worked for years and years and met people and then all of a sudden they blew up and but it really is about persistence and if you can hang in there you will be successful you will have a career in show business it is both extremely difficult and extremely simple and so you know i I do think it is about like just and that's why i say like you know if you can quit quit and you know and all behavior is purposeful if you're finding ways to not be in show business go find those ways um but if you find yourself like you know like skipping dates or whatever, you know, to go write a thing because you love writing or, you know, you just can't stop like auditioning and you can't stop, you know, shooting YouTube videos and making stuff and, you know, getting out there, then you'll, you'll be great and successful, you know? So I don't know, like it was weird, like growing up in Michigan, you know, I'm from Ann Arbor and I went to Michigan state and it just felt like, entertainment is a million miles away it felt mm-hmm. like it would be easier to go to the moon oh yeah than to work in tv and comedy and so it's i got into tv through the in, most insane route and it really is like a show where i was in the political you know science college james madison like honors college and and <laughs> my roommate and hating it and um all behaviors purposeful i thought i didn't deserve better and so my roommate, Joe Schmidt, fell in love with a girl on the housing channel in the dorms. We're in the dorms. And there was a TV <laughs> channel that was all student run. He's like, oh, this girl is beautiful. And there was a meet and greet. He's like, hey, Blair, come with me. Please come with me to this meet and greet. I know she's the one for me. Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, "Ah, oh, all right, fine. So I'm, a, I'm his wingman. So we go to this meet and greet. He meets her. They hit it off. He's like, dude, she is the one for me. My soulmate. Please sign up for this thing. It's called The Show. It's a college sitcom. It's once a week. It's on Tuesdays. It was uh, through this organization called Michigan State University Telecasters, which still exists and is very successful. And he's like, please, please sign up. I was like, ugh, fine. (laughs) So then I sign up for this thing. Of course, she has a boyfriend. 
But I fell in love with TV. And I was like, oh, my God. This is like I was just running a VCR. I started running a VCR, <laughs> just like pressing start and stop. But then – and I was like skipping classes to do it. And then I started getting involved in more Telecaster shows. And I was doing cable access. I started getting involved in radio and was doing all these – and I was like, you know, it was amazing. And so I ended up running uh, Michigan State University Telecasters and like six shows and like all this crazy stuff. And then one of my friends and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make a living off this. This is like, what am I doing? Yeah. I'm wasting all my time. And I dropped out of the honors college and went into like telecommunications because that was like their <laughs> podcasting. And there were no there's, no, you know, the Venn diagram of classes between telecommunications and Political science are, are it's like two separate circles. Right. There's no actually there was one crossover it was advertising two oh one. That was the only class. <laughs> so all my electives ended up being political theory electives. Anyway, and then my friend um Tony Zarrett was like, Hey man, I did this internship uh late night with Conan O'Brien. I hated it. I think you'd love it. And I was like, Okay, great. And I applied for it and then got to be an intern at late night, and then they hired me afterwards. And so that's was my trajectory. If Joe Schmidt hadn't fallen in love with a girl on the housing channel, I would not be sitting at this table with you. Isn't that insane? That's to crazy. Think about? Yeah. It's so weird. And, and, and I don't think I had realized that you had been there since late night. Even. Oh yeah. Since 2001. Wow. I, I knew that, that you, I knew that you were there in the, during the tonight show era. Yeah. But I did not know you were there late night. I knew you had started as an intern and, and then kind of moved your yeah. way. Pretty wild. Moved your way in. But yeah, that's crazy that, yeah, Very all, crazy. all because your roommate was in love with the girl. On yeah. The, that's on crazy. the student channel. <laughs> and it is this weird thing where I think for people out there, you know, I love poetry and I, I love philosophy and this stuff. But, you know, I, I do. It is this weird thing where I think people get uh, in their own head and get very nervous about what they think are big life choices. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, God, like, you know, oh, like for me, like it was, am I going to move out to L.A.? with conan for the tonight show or am i going to go work at fallon and so uh when fallon was just starting up and i was like ah oh, like big life choices but in reality i think you know the things that truly change our lives are the small unexpected moments like i i love to say like the giant wheel of fate turns on the point of a pin like it's always you meet your wife at a party you weren't even supposed to go to yeah you know it's always like Oh, your roommate sees a girl on the and you go with as a favor to this meet and greet, and that ends up changing the river of your life. Like it's never a thing of like, oh my god, am I gonna, you know, move here or move here? No, it's always like this weird thing. You know, life is so much the path of life. I just feel like is like lightning finding the ground. Yeah. everybody has their own thing. There's no way to predict it, and so you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Just be nice to everybody. Work really hard. You know, just try to be a good person. And the rest will kind of take care of itself, you know, like in that way. And, you know, I'm I'm a control freak and I'm, you know, I have like a squirrel brain. It's like, <laughs> but especially when I had a lot of coffee in the morning. But, you know, I really do think like one of the things that serve me very well is just like letting go and just worrying about doing my thing, making stuff, small, consistent choices, you know, getting back to the short film the how to lose weight in four easy steps you know i never worked out before in my life and you know i lost 90 pounds and that was what that taught me was small just doing it just a small thing go on the treadmill for five minutes a very small thing don't eat don't get the extra large fry just get the large fry you yeah. know and and losing weight is so frustrating because 
it's a battle with a thousand tiny little cut you know like it's just it's immeasurable and then all of a sudden you're like wait a second i lost all this weight so you know and that's what what you know um uh entertainment and comedy and all this stuff is also just consistently okay i'm gonna go to this audition okay you know what i'm gonna write two lines today if i can just write one scene today that's good you know and it's like being nice to yourself, but consistently doing small amounts of work and will get you very far, you know? People always think like, oh, I'm going to write the great American novel or I'm going to write this movie and it's going to be... No, just worry about writing a page at a time. Yeah. You know, that's okay, you know? Like everybody, just forward progress is okay. You don't have to make a giant leap. And guess what? The giant leap is never going to happen. And also, guess what? A giant leap probably won't help you as much as just being disciplined and doing something every day would. Yeah, it's... I, I think everybody looks at I need to write that that ninety page screenplay. Yeah. Or I need to write that yeah. that spec script and yeah, yeah. It, it's very much I I have the habit of I set a timer for twenty minutes. Oh, I love this. And I sit down and I write, and I have a reward at the end. It's you yeah. know if if I'm going to watch an episode of you know something that that I've got sitting in my Hulu queue or something, yeah. Then I'll go back and I'll kind of watch that, let my brain you know kind of recharge a little. And then I'll set a timer again. And if it's shooting out emails or something like that or having to edit a video. And sometimes even once that timer goes off, you just kind of get that adrenaline going. Yeah, yeah. And you find your your own endurance instead of looking at it and just like, 90 90 page screenplay. <laughs> like, how am, I, how am I ever going to – where's the where's the plot going to be? What's the exposition on yeah, this? And it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it just – weighs you down into you down. and you'll never do anything you'll just stare at that that's right blinking cursor on the screen that's right over and over again <laughs> that's right yeah i mean there's a great uh, i love neil gaiman and he has a great i think he was on the nerds podcast and he has this great there's a youtube video if you look it up um and he's talking about writing and he's talking about writing novels and he kind of makes the point and i'm not going to try to pair I'll, I'll paraphrase i'm not going to repeat what he said and butcher it but he kind of makes the point that like um, which is what we're talking about, which is the difference between motivation and discipline. And so, you know, he's he's like, if you only write when you feel like you want to write, you're not going to be a novelist. You might be a great poet or something, but you're not going to be able to churn out a great amount of work. Yeah. And he's like, when you look back, he's like, you just force yourself to do it. And when you look back on those pages, you can't tell which ones you forced yourself to do and which ones you were really excited to do. You know, it's like you have no idea. And you know, it's just, and again, like the working out thing is like, I was not motivated to go, but I just did it. Yeah, you're, no one's fucking motivated to go to the fucking gym, man. It sucks. The yeah. gym is hell on earth. I have to walk across the street yeah. from mine and that, uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, but no, it's true. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I have to work out of the gym at Warner Brothers because it's literally the closest thing. Right, right. You know, it's 50 feet away from where I sit all day. So, but it's like that kind of a thing. And it's also better to make something small. You know, like make a quick YouTube video, record a podcast, do something small, then think about writing a 90 page script. You know, yeah. it's like, just do it, <laughs> do the small thing and continue to do the small thing. You know, like there's two videos I, I love and, you know, I struggle with like, you know, depression and all that stuff. And and so pulling myself out of that is really hard. And like this nihilistic, oh, what does it all mean? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the darkness closes it. All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, but there's two videos I love, and I always recommend them to everybody. And they're cheesy, but fuck it, I don't care. Uh, one of them is Ira Glass, The Gap. Have you heard of this? I'm I, sure. I've heard of it. Okay. I have not watched. Great, it. it's great. 
And uh, there's one that's like a typography. That's not the one you want. You okay. want just Ira Glass talking. And he's talking about storytelling. And he kind of says, you know, Ira Glass is the uh, this NPR, American life, yeah. NPR narrator, amazing guy. And he kind of he makes this point, which is now become a, a kind of a famous point, but he came up with it, which is there's a gap. So when you get into the business of wanting to make stuff, whatever it is. You know, you're, the reason why you want to make stuff, the reason why, hopefully, you want to be in entertainment and all these things is you have great taste. You love, I don't know, what's something great? True Detective, I guess. Bad example. But uh, New Season's pretty good. I haven't watched the New Season. I just pretend the first season's the only one that has existed first so season's, far. First season's great. <laughs> second season blows. New Season's great. Uh, but let's say, or, you know, whatever. You love, Mary Oliver's an amazing poet. You love, you have great taste. But you're a, so you want to make shit that's that good. Mm-hmm. Now your ability to make stuff is way down here. <laughs> <laughs> Their ability is way up here. Your ability is way down here. And there's this huge gap between even if you do your best, you can only just uh, here. And there's still four feet of air between yeah. what you what you want to make and what you can make. And so a lot of people get really discouraged. They're like, oh, I'll never be able to do it. Well, you know the way you close that gap is volume. It's just work. You just do work. And he makes the point when he was getting into wanting to, um, you know, uh, make radio and all these things, he sucked. And, you know, he would try really hard and his stuff just was terrible. And but he continued to do it over a course of years and slowly closed that gap. And he kind of makes the point that, you know, he wished that when he had gotten into that business, people had told him, don't give up. Like you you can close the gap, but it's just, you know, work. So I love that video. Important one to watch. Must must uh, you know must view. The other one I really love is super cheesy, and it's twenty seconds long, and it's Will Smith. I'll say what you want about Will Smith, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Matt Amy is a nice guy to me. So um, he's on the Tavis Smiley show, and Tavis asks him, "What's different about you? What makes you Will Smith? What's different about you?" And he goes, "The and Will goes, the only thing that I see that's different." He's, he says, I'm not afraid to die on a treadmill. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I won't be outworked. He's like, he's like, if, you know, you may have 18 of 19 things on me. You may be better looking, more talented, funnier, smarter, all these things, right? But if you and I get on a treadmill together, one of two things is going to happen. You're getting off first or I'm going to die. It's that simple. I will not be outworked, period. That's it. And, like, I've really taken that to heart. Like, because, look, I can't control the level of my talent. I can't control my intelligence. I'm very stupid. But (laughs) I can control the amount of effort I put into things and how much time I spend on them. That's the one thing I can control. And so I've just taken it to heart. I will not be outworked. I will not be outworked. I will do – I will stay later. I will get there earlier. I will work harder. Those are the things that I will do. And again, that's served me very well, you know, like um, that in combination with surrounding myself with better people than I am, you know, like at work at Team Coco, I had there's, you know, uh, this woman, uh, Beth, Ruthie, Gemma, all these amazing people, uh, you know, Jason O'Malley, all these amazing people um, I get to work with and they make me better and hopefully I make them better. But that and just working super hard, you know, that's how I got two Emmys. Like, that's what it is. You know, be nice to people, surround yourself with good folks, 
and just work super hard. And, and that's what it is. So those two videos, The Gap, Ira Glass, and Not Afraid to Die on a Treadmill, Will Smith. <laughs> but those are, when I'm feeling really down, I, I watch those because it reminds me that, A, everybody started super low, you know, and with a huge gap. And I haven't closed that gap. I'm, I'm not where I want to be in terms of, you know, things I want to create. But also, like, it's, you know, like, just work super hard. Just put in the effort. Put in the effort and think good things will happen. Yeah, that, and, and closing in that gap, too, there, I mean, things, especially in television, have changed so much over the years. And several months ago, I guess it's been almost a year, when Avengers uh, uh, Infinity Wars was coming out. Yeah. I had sent Rob Kuttner, who was former writer over at Team Coco. Yeah. I had sent I had sent him an email and was just like, "Hey, I don't know if you guys still do it this way because I know like when Robin started, like you could pitch a, like an idea to a to a, a show and they yeah. they could run with it." And he's like, "Yeah, it's not really like that anymore." And he's like, "But just go make this." And it yeah. was it was a sketch that I did end up making. It's not very good, That's but okay. I had to put it out there. I had to get it out of my head, and instead I made. Uh, the Avengers Xfinity Wars, Perfect. where it's the Avengers trying to cancel their cable. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and when I sent it to Rob afterwards, I was like, it is what it is. And he's just like, no, it's still funny. Yeah, like, it's totally. still good. Like, you just have to, you just have to make it. Just make it. Like, and, and again, like, you know what'll happen if you don't yeah. make it. Nothing. Yeah, you have exactly. no idea what'll happen if you make it. Like somebody could see that, say that, see that, and be like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" Hey, submit a packet for for our show. Yeah. Or hey, I'd like to, you know, if it's a short film or something, like I'd love to make this into a larger thing. Like, getting back to the four easy steps thing. Like, I just wrote a blog because I was sad, and writing for me is very cathartic. And then somebody saw it, and they were like, "I want to make this into a short film," and that changed my life. Like, yeah. it was a huge life changing thing. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and it's a blog I had read shortly after you had even written it. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this guy put it on his like lifestyle Facebook page, and that's kind of how it blew up. This guy, I want to say his name is Luke Bryant, I think. Chuck Bryant? Luke Bryant? One of the two. Anyway, Chuck and Luke One of them, Bryant, I believe, is a country singer. There we go. So. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, but no, again, like you have no idea, and especially now with social media, you have no idea who's looking at your stuff yeah. or who will pass it on to who. Um, What's funny is sometimes when you think someone's looking at your stuff and then a very unique idea somehow makes it into their sketch and it doesn't make sense to their sketch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's, that's interesting. I mean, like, yeah. you know, the idea of, of intellectual thievery is prevalent and it sucks. And you know, that's the downside yeah. of the world we live in. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about off of the mic. Okay. You'll, perfect. You'll, you'll laugh and be like, yeah, that one's a little, cause I know there's been plenty where people are like that late night joke. And it's like, turn on every late night show and they're all making almost the identical <laughs> joke. Nobody stole your, your observation. <laughs> but you know, that's, what's interesting. Getting back to my friend, Ben Berman's film, you know, the untitled amazing Jonathan project. That's something that he kind of talks about yeah. in there. It's like, you know, other uh, documentary crews shooting the same documentary and what makes your documentary, personal to you what makes you know your idea special versus other people's and and i think like we're seeing a thing now where because you have a lot of people writing the same sketches a lot of people you know doing the same movies and you know all these things i think me personally i'm really seeing a trend towards like personalization like people putting their personal experience into, into yeah. these things which i think is really exciting because i love my favorite kind of um you know uh thing to write or thing to produce or thing to make uh and my favorite thing to watch are uh you know pieces of of media that are both funny and smart but are also very heartfelt mm -hmm. and kind of articulate the hidden truths that we all kind of feel but we don't 
quite tell each other. And I think we get there. You know, I like to say a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Comedy, one of the reasons why I love it so much is because you can make somebody laugh and get by their censors and then make them feel, which is amazing. Right, right. And so, you know, I, I really love this trend towards emotional honesty and, you know, really getting down and digging deep inside of ourselves and um i think that it's a beautiful thing and and people are really i think now starting to open up either because of all these things that are happening in our culture or because that's the only way you know the one only way you can make something that can't be ripped off is if you filter it through your own personal lens mm-hmm. you know and if you're worried about somebody ripping you off or something your your idea I say make it more personal. You yeah. Know? Then they can't because, at, you know, everybody, we're all kind of the same, but everybody is kind of a unique snowflake mm. in a certain way. And and so I think that's, and that's the one weapon, the one tool, the one arrow in your quiver you have that no one else has. Right. Is you, is your experience, you know? And again, that's why I think it's important to, going back to Ira Glass and the Gap, make a lot of work. Do a lot of volume of work because- only through doing a ton of volume of work will you find your own unique voice. Yeah, that's very, very true. It doesn't just happen. When I first started writing, you know, I love Stephen King. I love David Mitchell. I love all these uh, great authors. And I love Kelly Link, who I have a book right here <laughs> that I'm going <laughs> to give to my friend Emma. Um, but your writing sounds like that because that's what you're reading. So, yeah. you know, my writing is like, oh, this is very st-. And looking back at my writing from like 10, 12 you know, 20 years ago, it's like, wow, this is very <laughs> David Mitchell-esque. Uh, this is, you know, but now I've found my own way. That's a different, that's my own personal voice, but it's only through writing hundreds of pages of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with performing and same thing with podcasting, you know, what we're doing now. Like, you know, you only can find what your show is by just doing a lot of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how you do it. And yeah, you just, I mean, this is like yeah. episode almost 160 exactly. and it took me probably... 50 or 60 episodes to be like oh this is how i do it yeah like what would you when you first started the podcast like what were your goals why did you start a podcast what made you want to start a podcast it was wanting to be able to talk to people in entertainment learn more of the business because i was in salt lake city and i was like there's hardly any of this around me like i want to be able to was there someone though that you were like you were like oh that oh this person oh like modeled after or very much chris hardwick oh yeah i loved everything that that nerdist was doing as they were coming up and i was like no this is what i want like it made it kind of made me feel special like no there's there's others out there like me and and being in salt lake too where there wasn't at the time there wasn't a comic-con or anything like that and right i was like oh i can i i could maybe be a part of this and then i got invited when there was a salt lake comic-con to moderate a panel for a bigger show and i was like Oh, okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that opened the doors to San Diego Comic-Con. Awesome. And, and it just, like, yeah, it snowballed where yeah. there were so many things. Where it was just like, oh, this one little one little thing that, but that see, I didn't I would, think could I, I would could say, happen. yeah, but it's like it's also like you did the work. Like you yeah. were doing things, and it wasn't just one little thing. It was a lot of little yeah. things. And it was also, you know, I, and again, like it snowballed, but it only snowballed because you were putting – Gas yeah. in the tank. You were doing things and doing things. It's not like you did one episode of one podcast and you're like, yep, well, now I'm going to San Diego. <laughs> no, it's like, that's not true. Yeah. And we, I mean, I was reaching out to people that I had no business necessarily interviewing yeah. first on. I mean, one of the very first episodes, and 
there if you take if people take the podcasting class at least one of them through second city they actually have a bunch of my episodes now like wow, in the archive cool. for part of an interview they did with me awesome but i had tracy morgan on on like episode nine. Oh my god that's and hilarious. i had no idea what sure. i was doing i had no business interviewing tracy morgan yeah but the radio show that i had only been interning at at the time for like a month they had received a thing that Tracy was coming to town and awesome. do you guys want to interview him? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to send something through for myself. Yeah, too. exactly. And then when they responded and they're like, yeah, so he's going to do the radio show and then he's going to call you. And I was like, Oh, I love it. Oh, and then everything in my brain <laughs> was like, I don't even know how to record this. <laughs> and, oh. and it was a panic and you can hear it in the episode. And like, I didn't cut anything out because when I listened to it, I was like, this is just funny because you can tell I don't, know necessarily what i'm doing yeah but i mean you've met tracy morgan tracy is a one of a kind he's the he sweetest is. kindest person in the world very generous and just sometimes the way he talks to you you don't know what to say next yeah and there's and i've said it on air before one of my favorite parts of that episode is i asked him i was like what was it that made you start comedy and she goes girls <laughs> and just that just left it at that and i paused for a second because i didn't know what and i was just like okay <laughs> I, just moved, I just moved on and it but even from that episode to like pete holmes was on like six or seven more episodes later yeah but i knew like i felt comfortable with pete i had seen him live i'd met pete before and sure and so like that one flowed differently and then as it, it just kind of kept going and then as, as people like steve-o and uh, Edward James almost randomly oh my God. like that one blew my mind because they reached out to me and were like hey do you want to and I was like you, you know what my show is right like yeah. and they were like yeah yeah do you want to have Edward James almost on I was like yeah yes I, yes I yeah would. very yes, much please. yeah and and then I met him like two months later at WonderCon and I was That's like hilarious. it's funny because working in radio and podcasts like when I was doing phone interviews yeah you don't meet those people I kind of hate doing phone interviews because you don't get that connection with people i can't do it like it's hard for me over the phone it's just it's really hard in person yeah. i know again like you get a better flow and conversationally it's better yeah yeah and there's always the weird delay on the phone i know yeah, but there's, there's been people like i met scott ackerman at uh at san diego comic-con a few years ago yeah and it was weird to go up to him and be like so we've actually talked on the phone a number <laughs> of times <laughs> phone buddies <laughs> and he just looked and was like oh why <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious but but, yeah that's the thing is like yeah. you know you were constantly you constantly kept doing and of, and of course it snowballs after and people here and also it's like that thing the tracy morgan thing is so great because it it, it only takes one yeah you know and like i'm sure you were scared shitless but you just got through it and then you could say oh i've interviewed tracy morgan and then yeah. other people are like oh okay cool like yeah once you kind of get into that club of just getting like first just getting on the board you know it's like okay now you get you know that's kind of like slides you in to getting to do all these other people yeah and and then even like the following week when he was he was in salt lake doing stand-up i went up and talked to him after the show and stuff yeah. and there were other people waiting and i walk away with my wife and he turned to me, i was like yo tim yo tim and he's calling <laughs> back to me and it was kind of funny because in the rest of the line it's like why does tracy morgan know who that guy is <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and it was just kind of that feeling like i'm nobody but this is fun <laughs> <laughs> you're not nobody but yeah i mean that's and that's the cool thing is like Again, it's, you know, it feels like I think if you're trying to get into showbiz or entertainment, it can just feel so hard and cold. But on the other hand, it's like 
it's it's just persistence. Yeah, you know, that's it's really what it is, and and you just do it enough times, and eventually, it you get inside somehow. You know, it's yeah. like I don't know. It's like a weird thing. Like I still don't quite understand <laughs> it. You know, it's, um, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, I I think it's like I used to work at Kmart stock, uh, Kmart stocking fishing lures, at like eight in the morning, and you know, it's one of those things where. That I, and I also my first job was working in a haunted house as a haunted barn monster, Wired's <laughs> Orchard. But um, you know, and uh, to a certain extent, like those, like it still feels like it's a dream job. Even though I've been, do- I, I only did those jobs for a few years. It feels like, oh yeah, eventually I'm gonna you know go back to doing that stuff. This eventually somebody will find me out that I have no talent and I have no skills and be like, yeah, <laughs> what are you doing here? Get out. You know, that whole imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I don't think that ever goes away, but I also don't want it to go away because it keeps me hungry and it keeps me humble and it keeps me like always looking for the next thing. Right. Right. You know, because it's interesting, like, you know, and that, that to me is part of the fire that keeps me going and making stuff and, and just like, yeah, well, you know what? If this fails, that's okay. Like, whatever. Let's just make it. Let's make it. Let's make it. Um, and so I don't ever want to feel – I think the day that I think – that I feel like I deserve to be here is the day I should get out of show business. You yeah. Know, that's I, and I've heard a number of people say that, yeah. too. That I think it was Mike Birbiglia that even talked about when it comes oh, to writing. So like, you find that place you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's where you write from. Because if you go to a party and you're already comfortable there, it's time for you to leave the yeah, party. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I do I do think that. And, and it is one of those things where it's like, you know, when a room is just a little too cold, it keeps you awake. Yeah. And that's emotionally, I think, the thing. is like, you. I kind of, I want to be a little uncomfortable, you know? Like, professionally... I want to always kind of be wearing a sweater where there's like a prick or some, you know, it's like right <laughs> kind of in your lower back. You're like, oh, yeah. where is this thing that's like a feather that's getting, you know, <laughs> I always kind of want that little bit. You know, it's like I used to, um, I'm a big fan of 60 Minutes and this is years and years and years ago, but there was a 60 Minutes to a segment of Bruce Springsteen and uh, the boss. And they asked him, you know, like, what, what is it? You know, you're like an icon. You're like a music legend. What what's the secret? What's the secret to being a great rock musician? And he just go. He kind of looks down. And he goes, "There has to be something bothering you all the time." And I think that that for me, my creativity doesn't come from a place of misery. I'm I'm past that. I don't believe like you need to be miserable to be funny. Yeah. Plenty of people have had great. You know, Will Ferrell does not come from a broken home. He's a you know, he's, but he's super funny. You know, and like Adam Sandler, super funny. Like these guys. You can come from a place of happiness and playfulness. It doesn't need to be like, oh, I'm miserable and tortured. No, I, I don't agree with that. I think you can be happy and also be funny yeah. and creative. But I do think you need to be a little uncomfortable at all times to constantly be creative, you know, just a little bit. Like, And I guess that that's what ambition is. You know, ambition is, and something I struggle with a lot is, I'm always looking towards the next thing and always like, oh, but it would be better if I did this. Oh, but it would be great if I got this. Oh, I have an Emmy. Oh, it'd be great if I have, if I got two. You know what? I have two. It'd be great if I got three. You know, okay, all that's and that's fine. All that stuff is okay. But what I deal with a lot in my private moments, uh, right before I fall asleep, when you know, though that those ten seconds where we're truly ourselves, where the yeah. mask comes off in the darkness in our beds. Um uh, with a cricket in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, I have crickets, not roaches. It's crazy. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, 
it is the fact that I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. We're doing okay. Yeah. We can keep making stuff, and we can keep being ambitious and keep striving for those things, keep striving for the great American novel, keep striving for the 90-page the amazing you know, movie script, you know, strive for that staff writer job, strive for that you know, acting job, whatever. But we can also appreciate what we have and how far we've gotten. You know, like I'm sure you have dream guests that you want to be on this. And you're like, oh, I gotta get. You know, who's yeah. somebody who would be like, who's the who's uh, uh, one of the peaks of, of people you'd love to interview? Oh, I mean, Mark Maron's up there. Mark so Conan, Conan's Conan, up there. There we go. Yeah. So like yeah. Conan, Mark Maron, like these guys. Like, oh, if I could just get Mark, if I could just get Conan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Still strive towards that. But you've also done over a hundred epi- amazing episodes, um, and if not a hundred amazing. 99 amazing yeah. ones but you know but like that's also great and so you know what is the point of ambition and trying to succeed and trying to make these things and trying to be better if you also can't look back and be like look how far i've come like you know like yeah there's still a gap there i want to be up here making this stuff and i'm down here making this stuff but look at way down there where yeah. i was when i started making stuff like so that's something you know currently i'm really working on is like you know if not being satisfied with what I've done and what I continue to do, at least being happy that I've got to do it, that I was able to do those things. I think that's really important because I think you eventually burn out. If you are constantly looking towards the next thing, you can never be happy with what you have. And then what the fuck is the point? What the fuck is the point of any of this? If it's like, you can't be like, yeah, it's I've made some cool stuff. Like, yeah. you know. I don't ever want to be entitled. That's my least favorite quality or like feel like I deserve something. I don't ever want to feel that way. But I also want to feel like, okay, I'm doing okay. Like this stuff is fun. I'm right, proud right. of one or two things I've done in my <laughs> life. You know, like this thing, you know, dinner in a video game makes me really happy. Like it's really shitty and lo-fi. I have a blast doing it. And I think that that's enough. Now, what I love for Netflix or true tv or somebody to buy it so i get to do it for a living yes i would yeah but until that happens i love doing it and that's enough so i can be happy about that also right. i don't need to be like oh gotta grind on another episode <laughs> so somebody will buy it no fuck that if nobody ever buys it which is probably the case uh i that's okay i i still love doing it and it's dumb but and so i think as creative people you know you and i and whoever else is listening that's the other side of these things is like be driven, be ambitious, all that stuff, but also be happy because it's like you can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Today, I yeah. can get hit by a bus. Who fucking knows? The um, way LA bus drivers are, it's inevitable almost. That traffic is terrible in LA. <laughs> it's probably going to be like, yeah, it's not a bus driver. Those people are responsible yeah. and great at their jobs. It's everybody else who sucks. <laughs> you know, it's like the person driving to God knows where to do God knows what who's texting on their phone. Yeah. You know, like my friend Alex's short film. That's what's going to get us. It's not the bus drivers. So anyway, but yeah, but, um, but yeah, so and I think that that's, you know, that's the other side of this whole business is just like, Oh man, it is like it's just a business. You got to be happy. You know? Yeah. So, how, how did things come up for you at Conan? Because I mean, I know you started there as an intern, and I had actually applied there as an intern, and I remember reading like reading information that you had, had put out, and I was like, "All right, I'll well, I've, I've at least submitted correct." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think. Um, how did I come up? I started so <coughs> I was an intern. <coughs> I'm dying. Uh, you can grab that water oh, there. That man, is all yours. You. Look at this, the simple truth water. <laughs> um, I was an intern in 2001. Uh, and, you know, it was, you know, the heyday, it was the heyday of late night. And so 
you know, I remember thinking, so I'd been, I was obviously coming from Michigan State, having done all this stuff at MSU Telecasters. And one of the things that really struck me that really made me happy was as soon as I started interning with the show, I realized, oh, like this is the same setup as what I've been doing on the show back at Michigan State, that college sitcom. Um, only there's a lot more people doing all these jobs and they get paid to do it. Yeah. So that kind of made me happy. And then, you know, as an intern, I just, you know, I was worked really hard. I was really nice to everybody. You know, I'm nine feet tall and I have white hair uh, <laughs> and I've had gray hair since I was 14. And so people kind of remembered me as a big goofy idiot, uh, but very hardworking. And then, but my last day, um, you know, our supervising producer kind of called me. and was like, Hey, you know, like, we can't really hire anybody right now. We really like you. Please stay in touch. I was like, great. So I went back to Michigan. I applied to be an NBC page um, and went back to Michigan for a few weeks. And then I had made friends with this guy, Roey Hershkovitz, uh, on the show. Uh, and he kind of called me. He was like, hey, like, you know, they're, you know, looking to hire somebody. Like, you should call the producer again. So I called them and they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, can you come cover for this job, like while we're interviewing for that position, can you cover that position while we're interviewing for it? I was like, sure, I'd love to. So I went in and it was assistant to the segment producers. Um, and so I covered, I was just covering that desk and they were, in, you know, interviewing people, interviewing people, interviewing people. And eventually, you know, a couple weeks went by and I had just been doing the job and they were like, look, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing this. We're going to hire someone to be like the intern coordinator beneath you. You just keep doing this. You're doing a great job. I was like, thanks. So I never really got trained to do anything. So Sharon Hardy, who I sat next to, who's an amazing person, um, she kind of trained me. And then so I started as a, an assistant to the segment producers, then kind of worked my way up. And, you know, like, I don't know how their late night shows work, but our late night show, at least back then, was very much like a pirate ship. So someone has to kind of leave. There's only a certain amount of jobs to do. Right. Uh, and someone has to leave for you to move up. And so people, you know, would move up and, and leave and stuff. So I kind of worked my way up into research. I did video research, photo research, then kind of guest research where you kind of, uh, you know, you're preparing files and guests. And all this time I was doing stuff on my own. I was doing a lot of stand up. I was doing a lot of sketch, um, you know, like, and, and every night doing something and, and writing when I could at my desk and write, I had a blog on a live journal. Remember live journal? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, write this blog and, and people kind of knew at work that I was doing all this stuff. And, um, then it kind of came down that NBC wasn't doing so great. And it kind of came down from on high that every show had to have a web presence and a blog. And so nobody really wanted to do it. And so Jordan Schlansky, who's an associate producer on our show and now has become this on-air personality. <laughs> yes. You know, Jordan and I were friends and, and uh, are friends still. And um, although he has a kid now, so we don't hang out. But, you know, he was the guy who, as an intern, you know, I became friends with him. And he, like let me go on the last Westminster dog remote with triumph and all which was like amazing. You know? <laughs> that like, is an, that's an amazing segment. And, yeah. Too. You know, and Robert and I have since become friends and he's a great guy. But, um, and so Jordan was like, Hey man, like we, ha our show has to have a blog. Nobody else wants to do it. I know you write that live journal blog. Do you want to write a blog for the show? I was like, absolutely. And you know, in this story, I will say a lesson I learned, which I always try to pass on is, I think, you know, how we were talking about all behaviors purposeful and we we're talking about how people have this preconceived notion of what they feel like they should be. I feel I should be a writer. I hate writing, but I should be, a, you know. Um, and I, I think a, a mistake that people make that young people are trying to get into entertainment make 
Uh, their goals are can be too specific, and that can be bad. You know, and I think one thing that served me very well is I kind of I was never like I want to be a performer. I want to be a writer. I was always like, I just want to be paid to be creative. Yeah. I'm doing all this research. I used to sock fishing lures and work in a haunted barn. I just want to be paid to, like, in some way be creative. I don't know. Like, whatever's out there. And so, you know, all these people had said no to doing a blog. But I saw it as, oh, wait, I get to be paid to be creative. This is cool. Now I have to keep doing my research job. <laughs> but I, I now am, am going to get a voice and, and get yeah. to – I've been doing all, spending all this time outside of work, every free moment I have, making stuff and performing and making all the, being creative. Now I'm going to get paid to be creative. So I was like, great. I jumped at the chance. So I started doing a blog every night. And two weeks later, and nobody cared at all. No one gave a shit. Literally, no one cared. <laughs> our fans cared, which is great. And yeah. and you know that that started my relationship with our fans, and which has been amazing and, and life changing for me. But, um, you know, so I started doing that a couple. Weeks later, I was like, I went to Conan. I was like, hey, man, can I, like, make videos, like, for the web? He's like, sure, I don't care. Go for it. And Conan is so great. One of his amazing lessons he's taught me, just by virtue through example, is he's so smart and so funny and has, you know, worked in, in comedy forever. And he has such a great attitude of, like, let's try it. I don't know. Like, he's smart enough to know what he that he doesn't know everything, which yeah. is a huge thing, you know, like – um so he's like i don't know sure go for it like uh so i started making videos and so every week i would put myself on a schedule of like i'm staying late i'm gonna make a video i'm gonna make a video i'm gonna make a video you know and i had brian stack in these videos and brian mccann and all these amazing people um in these videos and i was and no one cared and i was making these videos <laughs> and no one cared and no one was watching and the internet was a small thing no one gave a shit and then the writer strike happened all of a sudden we have no show the only thing we have, our show has, is the blog I'm doing and the videos I'm putting out. So Conan's like, I want you to do a video every day. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, good. That's my <laughs> chance. That's my chance. And so I started doing these videos every day, and he would jump into them and ruin them. Yeah. Ruin takes. And finally, I was like, do you want to be in these? He's like, yes. Like, I've been performing every day for like 20 years. Yes. <laughs> so then I, start, I started to get to do these videos with Conan. It was really great. And he's a great mentor. And obviously, it's like a master class in comedy, and that was great. And then so... You know, when we were moving to The Tonight Show, I was like, hey, can I stop doing research and just be the web guy? And they were like, yeah. And so I became the one-man web department for The Tonight Show. <laughs> Still had no idea what I was doing. And now working with NBC.com. And, but, you know, the show, again, kind of didn't really care. I mean, the internet wasn't a huge thing. And then, you know, that the, you know, we lost The Tonight Show. And I'm the web guy. Conan calls me up at my house. Is like, hey, I want to join Twitter. I'm like, great. So I go over to his house. We start doing these tweets every day, and that's really where him and I became started becoming really good friends because I would go over there and hang out with Sona and him in his house and we tweet. And then you know he's like, we're gonna go on tour. I was like, oh my god. And he's like, so obviously we're gonna do a tour blog. He's like, I want you to come with me. And you know since he could only take a few people. I also played the masturbating bear on tour, which is great. And a taco, a dancing Taco Bell in the beginning. And our current head writer, Matt O'Brien, played a lady footlocker, a giant building. And But then that got cut after a few shows. But, like, we would fight, and then we would, like, you know, like, slow dance. But that got cut. But then I just ended up being the, you know, masturbating bear slash self-pleasuring panda. It was an, an incredible three months, you know, sleeping on a bus and, like, I mean, meeting everyone. Every, you know, that was, like, the biggest thing going that, that – um 
that summer and you know and just meeting so many celebrities and and just i got to perform at radio city music hall i mean it was bonnaroo i mean it was it was truly life-changing uh and then you know conan was like we're gonna go to tbs and he's like um and you know the web is now a big thing i'm into the web and, and digital and so we hired a whole he's like i want to hire a department so we hired a whole department and um a lot of really great people and you know that grew and grew and grew and and conan was from then on very into the web and digital and internet stuff and you know that's only grown as we've we've continued to do other things like these conan without borders episodes and um i've got to go not cuba but all the other ones i i, I go on and now get to bring um one of my producers ruthie wyatt who's amazing and that's what we won in Emmy for this past year is our live streaming and behind the scenes coverage of these travel shows. Yeah. And, you know, again, like Conan is is so smart about just being like, I don't know, let's try it. Let's try it. And, um, you know, I created this thing called Clueless Gamer, which is Conan, um, you know, plays now it's with a celebrity, but he plays a video. It used to be him and I playing a video game. And now it's him and a celebrity kind of playing a video game. And it's I my wife's favorite segment. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but it's really fun. And, you know, that was a thing where, again, it was just a, a thing. It was a thing. You know, I pitch a lot of ideas. And and I was just like, what can I, you know, Conan's so smart. I'm so dumb. What can I be smart at that he would be dumb at? And video games. You know, I yeah. didn't go to Harvard. I went to Michigan State. I played <laughs> a lot of Bond, Pistols, Caves, you know, uh, in the dorm room. And so... And he's like, I don't know. Let's try it. You know, he's like, I hate it. Let's try it. And yeah. So we did it. It became this huge success. And and so you know, these kinds of things again, like it goes back to, I just wanted to be paid to be creative, and I had no idea that I would become this digital guy, and then this video game guy, and then this guy who travels and does all this stuff. And and I just had a wide scope. I just wanted to be paid to be creative. I just said yes to things. It's that old improv, you know. Yeah, just yes and. Yes and. <laughs> just say yes and to life and say yes and to things. It's like, again, like, I know what would have happened if I said, no, I don't want to write the blog. Nothing would have happened. I would have not gotten to do anything. Yeah. But I said yes and then worked hard, was really nice, you know, tried to have good instincts and surround myself with a really good team of people at Team Coco Digital who do everything and let me still work there <laughs> as the weakest link. Um but, you know, and so it's, it's yeah, and I think that that's a really important lesson is, you know, when you're either, when you're starting out or not, I mean, ha just say yes to things and kind of try to keep an open mind because you have no idea where things will lead, you know. Um, but, yeah, you just work hard. Be kind and work hard. Good things will happen, right? Yeah, it's it's the greatest thing that I think I've learned over the years yeah. is, yeah, you, you be nice to people, you find the nice people. and Yeah. Yeah, the re the rest starts to work itself out. It does. It, it it really it really does work itself out. And but again, you know, we we're talking about, you know, like the wheel of fate turning on the point of a pin. It's like one of the biggest things in my life happened because Jordan was like, "Hey, man, you want to write a blog?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Sure." <laughs> and then all of, a, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, two Emmys and a and a, a TV show segment later, it's like, and being around the world sixteen times. Yeah. What is happening? Which way is up, man? You know, and, and with like, the new format now too, it's leaning very heavily towards even digital. Well, yeah, and you know, like I'm helping produce Conan's podcast, which has been great. And, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, that uh, that's really due to Adam Sachs and Matt Gorley uh, and Will Beckton, who are the guys kind of behind that. Um, 
and really crafting it. You know, we're doing this with Earwolf and like Colin Anderson is amazing and and these guys have such good instincts and you know, I'm just kind of there you know, to make sure it all, you know, it, it all runs on time and yeah. things work and trying to soak it up. You know, I've done a, obviously like 15, 16 years of podcasting, but the business side of the podcast is something I've never experienced. And so kind of learning about that and ads and working with uh, with sales and that stuff. Um, but yeah, I love it and it's great. And, you know, um, we, we've really, it's amazing to work with Kona because he is such a force in the industry and has been around forever and knows everybody and can call up Will Ferrell and was like, let's do a podcast, you know, can call up. He, he got Sandler and Sandler <laughs> doesn't do podcasts. So. He doesn't. That was, that was a huge moment. And for me personally, you know, when I was an intern and um, I was in the hallway at, uh, in 6A and 30 Rock when we were doing our late night show. And I, I love Adam Sandler. He's like one of my comedy heroes. Yeah. And I was down there and he was on the show that day. And I was kind of staring at him out of the corner of my eye, kind of looking over. And he caught me looking at him. <laughs> and he comes over and he's like, hey, I'm Adam. And shakes my hand and like talks to me for like 10 minutes. I am an intern. I am a literal <laughs> nobody. Adam Sandler came over and talked to me, the nicest person. Whenever I would see him, he would say hi. Always literally the nicest guy. During commercial breaks, he runs up into the audience and slaps everybody's hand and comes back down. And so it was a huge life moment for me. We did this podcast with him. We went down to uh, Happy Madison to his um, office, this podcast, and I got to talk to him. And it was this amazing day. And Conan was running kind of late, so I, I really got to to hang to hang out with Sandler and yeah. talk to Sandler. And I, you know, we had just come off this. I just come off the stand up tour with Conan for two months, and Sandler had just been doing a tour. And then Robert Smigel was there, and he was like, "Oh, Blay!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" And he's like. And it was just, and I, in, inside, I'm just screaming internally, right, right. like, ah, but trying to play cool. Anyway, <coughs> podcast goes great with uh, with Adam and, and Conan. And then at the end, Adam's like, oh, hey, and we high five. And I was like, hey, man, can I tell you something? He's like, yeah. And I tell him this story when I was an intern. And he was like, oh, man, that's so great. But it, and he was so nice to me, even this past time. It was like, oh, thank you. Like, oh, that you know, means so much. And I was like, dude, I tell everybody that story i i carried that with me for years when i was starting as like oh my god like this is the guy who i want to be and what in a how long how beautiful how crazy is life that those things can happen you know that it can come full circle and now i can talk to adam not as a peer but also not as an intern you know and as this guy um and share that with him that he did that for me and gave me this you know, amazing fire in my belly very early on in my career. And then I could tell him that, that he meant that much to me. And it's just, it's crazy. And you, you can't, you will never meet a nicer, more genuine. It's Adam Sandler. Yeah. He doesn't need to be nice. <laughs> he doesn't need to be this amazing, cool human being. He could be a complete asshole. And you'd still be like, Oh my God, Sandler, but he's the coolest dude ever. <laughs> and it's great. You know? And it's like all these people, you know, like Kristen Bell, Dax Shepard, like, Nick Offerman, Megan Mullally, all these David Sedaris. We've had so many great people yeah. on the podcast. Will Ferrell, and they're all so cool. And like, Tom Hanks, like, you know, is a guy who's been on our show many times. Yeah, I was at the first show sure. uh, this year with, with Tom Hanks. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's like Tom Hanks could be – he has license to be the biggest dick in the world. Yeah. He's the nicest, most genuine human being and it just gives me so much hope for life and so much pleasure that these people who are at the top of their game 
are really cool. And you know what? Nice people don't finish last. They can finish first. Yeah. And they you can be huge in Hollywood and not have it corrupt you, and you can be a cool person, and that's just fantastic, you know? Yeah, it's always funny to me when, when I talk to people back back in Utah, and they'll be like, so, I mean, is it true that a lot of them are dicks? I'm like, no. no. Almost all of them are yes. some of the sweetest, kindest people. They're really great. I, when I got to, I got to work with Russell Brand for about a week last oh, year. Oh, wow. He's, I've never met him, but I, I really love him. He is the stuff. greatest fucking person so in smart. the world. And he's, he's very, most people don't realize he's actually fairly soft-spoken oh, when he's not just kind of just all over Russell yeah, Brand. Yeah. And we had, he had come in, it was the final show he was doing at Meltdown. And he was there very early just to make sure all the tech stuff worked. And he just walked around in the comic book shop with me for like wow. 10 minutes oh just like talking about collectibles and, and and just things of that nature. And it was just like, I remember from the first show, we were just like, we don't know what to expect. You know, sure. Russell Brand's just always kind of out. Yeah, and then yeah, by yeah. the end of it, I was just like, this is one of the greatest humans I will ever get yeah. a chance to rub shoulders with. and. It's true. It's it's yeah. really great. And, you know, I, I think there is a thing, too, of like, you know, I, I do think, you know, the show business is a business. And it's like there's kind of certain levels, certain funnels, I think, that happen, you know, where there's kind of everybody in the world who wants to be, you know, creative and be in show business. Then it's like the people who actually do stuff. And that's a smaller pool. Then it's like the people who, you know, work really hard and have talent. And then it's like whatever. And you reach down to the very bottom. And the, the, the fewest, the, the tiniest pool. And the last kind of gate to, I think, being, having a great career and, and having longevity and all this stuff is like, are you cool? Are you just yeah. like a nice per Like, if we're going to be on set for 18 hours, I don't want to hang out with a dick. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, I want, like, you should be like a normal, cool, you don't have to be normal because we're all weird. I mean, there's no such thing as normal. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's kind of the thing. And so I think, like, you see these people who are at the apex and the, the top, and it's like, you know, I, I think there is a thing to, like, those people being m cool way more often than not because it's like, yeah, that's how they've gotten to have so many projects. Yeah. And it's why people want to work with them because they're a pleasure to be around and they're fun. And, you know, it's yeah. like I, I, I do think it's so weird. Yeah, where people are like, who's the dick? Who's the, who are the assholes in Hollywood? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. most my, people my, are really awesome. My response now is, who do you never see working anymore? Well, sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's that's all I will say. And then they kind of go, oh. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, I'll let you, I'll let you deduce who, yeah. who, who are probably the assholes I mean, I definitely have my stories of, <laughs> of there are celebrities out there who are complete, like, pieces of garbage. But, again, like, I don't – I have no desire to talk about those people yeah. or – it benefits Even, you nothing, and it just drags right, you down to that level. Right, right, exactly. And so, but yeah, it's it's true. Like ninety nine times a hundred, and that is a that's a cool thing. Like that's a that is like looking back. That's an extremely, yeah. Most people are really awesome, which is great. And by the way, most people are just human beings. Like, yeah, they just like it's so cool that Russell Brand wanted to just walk around and talk about you know toys and stuff. But I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, I I could just be a normal person. You know, I think it's I think we really underestimate. And especially in, in L.A., you see celebrities all the time. And I think it's – you really underestimate, like, anonymity. Mm. And, you know, in, in I Love Comedians uh, and Cars Getting Coffee, and the Obama one is amazing. Oh, yeah, that one is amazing. And it's funny. Like, he kind of asks, like, uh, Brock, he's like, you know, like, what's, you know, the thing you wish? He's like, I wish, like, I could just be walking in a park and see you on a bench. Be like, hey, Jerry, what's up? You know, like, it's a very simple thing, you know? Yeah. And, and you kind of – for people like us who are anonymous – 
I think we don't realize how great that is to just be able to go and eat at a restaurant alone yeah. or just walk around, you know, and and not have to make a plan of like, oh, my God, like, OK, I can't have any time on the street, you know, like a Tom Cruise or like these huge people who just would get mobbed, a Taylor Swift. I mean, there's a certain part of me that's like, wow, like that's that's that seems like really difficult. That seems like a really hard, hard life. And also, like, you know. I would imagine, I don't know, but I would imagine if it's like a Taylor Swift or somebody who's just spectacularly famous and recognizable, how do you make friends? How yeah. do you how do you make new friends and how do you know that those friends are genuine? You know, like that's something I would find very haunting is like, I don't know, like are you my friend because you want to be my friend or are you my friend because I'm Taylor Swift? You know, it's, it would Yeah, they just want hard. something from you. Yeah, I think that would be a really hard thing and I think people like Taylor Swift, I've heard she's really cool and um, I think that that's because you have a good either family or you have a good friend base. You have a good support system around you that, you know, allows you to stay grounded. You know, like Conan is so grounded and, you know, his wife and his kids, all you know, I'll keep him very humble. His family has like, you know, 10,000 brothers and sisters. <laughs> but I think that that's all, you know, like that's what keeps him a normal person. You yeah. know, And like us on staff, like we're all friends with him and, and we all kind of keep him humble too, and like he likes that, and and I think that that's, you know, one of his biggest unsung qualities is like the guy is just a nice guy, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's great. He just so happens to also be one of the greatest comedy yeah, ever. Yeah, right, right, right. And he's just <laughs> super tall and super famous and super smart. Um, but and that is that is extremely cool. Um, and again, you know, he has such a good attitude and such a good hardworking mantra, and I think that trickles down. That's why everybody on our show is just so nice and genuine. Yeah. And, because I, I think good people surround themselves with good people. Yeah, everybody I've always I've ever met over at Team Coco has always just been incredible and down to earth, and it it's what keeps me always always going to tapings or any event yeah. I can just to be just to be around the environment of Team Coco because Except it is just for me. I'm the dick, <laughs> raging. I, I have able. found him. <laughs> you found him here, exactly. Yeah. Well, Aaron, you've been more than generous with your time. I, I appreciate you taking of the time course. on a Saturday. Yeah, dude. Thank, thank goodness it was not raining anymore. I, know. I woke up this morning and I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. God, how spoiled are we? Jesus. <laughs> like it's like been like six days of rain, and it's like. Meanwhile, cut to Portland where, you know, there's six days of sun the entire <laughs> year. So I my, my buddy that lives in Chicago had made all these Instagram videos uh, during the polar vortex, just like showing how it was like, yeah, you know, negative 48 with wind chill. And so in response, <laughs> I made a bunch that was just like because it started raining the next day. And I was just like, look at these raindrops. I could drown in these. What is <laughs> It's slightly <laughs> drizzling. <gasps> yeah, it was. <laughs> I made a bunch of videos horror, of that just to just to be like, no, you you signed up for Chicago yeah, to be cold. Right. I didn't sign up for rain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, thanks, man. This is a pleasure. Yeah, so. no problem. Where can people find you online? Just to oh keep man, track? follow uh, Instagram at Aaron Blairt. If you could spell my name, A A R O N B L E Y A R T. Uh, Dinnerandavideogame.com. Come watch stuff. It's really fun. I give out free games and. Uh, every wednesday night it's a fun dumb stream uh and then yeah facebook you know all the all the places there's only one aaron blair so if you google <laughs> aaron blair i'm very easy to find some would say too easy i should make it harder <laughs> i should set a bar or something but, and, yeah. and i'll have links on, on the website too on, yeah, on the like podcast.com so people can people can find them so hell yeah cool. uh, well thanks dude this is great and yes make stuff everyone out there Make stuff, make stuff, do it, do it, do it. Be creative. Fill the gap. Fill the gap. <laughs> All right, thank you, Aaron, and most importantly, fuck you, Kevin.